Welcome to the Vibe Show Podcast with your boy Kano the Don, the Vibe King. And today we have a super special guest that's joining us on the show today, man. This guy here, this guy here is, is really the man. Wearing so many different hats and, man, contributing so much to, to the culture and the city, man. The one and only, go by the moniker, the hip-hop doc, Mr. Rainy Whitfield. What it do, brother? Kano, Kano, what's going on, brother? Man, listen, it was crazy. I, I, I honestly didn't think I was gonna make it, man. That traffic was crazy down there after the parade, man. Yeah, it's been crazy, but it's, it's good to see the good to see the energy in the city. I'm not a big St. Patrick's Day celebrator in, this, in, in that sense. I kind of stay home. Got the got the baby boy today. We had swimming lessons this morning, so I'm just taking it easy today, man. But I'm glad everybody's out there enjoying themselves. Hopefully, everybody, everyone was safe. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, um, it, it was a, it was a nice turnout, man, and and the vibe really was um, it was really really nice, man. Every everybody seemed to have a good time. Nobody got wild, outrageous, out of control. So I really enjoyed myself. It's my first time actually going to uh, that okay. particular okay. parade. That's what's up, man. That's what. But I used to do it every year. But you know, now see, you know things change when the brother 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 makes fifty. Go <laughs> down a little bit, do, do some things at home. <laughs> right, right, absolutely, man. Now you know. It, uh, man, your your story, man, is um, I'm really, really, man, just really, really impressed with all of the accolades and everything, man. Um, you you actually you actually played a little college basketball. I did, man. I played, you know, had the dreams and aspirations of going to the NBA like a lot of the young men when I grew up. I grew up here in Baton Rouge, and you know, love the game, still love the game, still play, still mess around with it a little bit. But you know, when you get to junior college, not Southern, not the LSU, not to a major school in the country, but to a junior college, and, and you got guys that were 19, 20. I was the only true freshman on my team that that uh, had these same aspirations and came in averaging more than I did. And you know, I, I was like, I, I wasn't a scorer. I was 10, 10, 10, 10 points, about 12 rebounds a game, solid player, wow. defensive blocking shots, jump out the gym. But, um, man, they had all these cats coming in, 26, 28 points a game, you know, high school phenoms, and we were all at junior college, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. And so I found a way to find my niche. So after practice, I would go study, go back, shoot some more, go study. And I ended up leaving as a junior college athletic uh, academic All-American with 4.0 GPA all both semesters. And, you know, I led the conference in three-point percentage the last semester, but that was due to hard work. But I realized then, man, it's something else I, I got I to gotta do with my life. <laughs> I can't do right. all these cats get ball, <laughs> you know. So I got I to gotta figure out another way. So, so at that point, like, has going into the medical field, um, even at a younger age, has that always been something that that's been a vision of yours, or something you was inspired to do, or, or how did that that um, how did you end up going that route? Not not directly, man. Like I said, uh, I, there were no physicians, medical doctors in the family. We had some other some other doctors, my doctors in education. I have uh, some cousins that they were in the military that were doctors. Uh, but but not medical doctors. So you know my my thing was, you know I, I think I, there was no specific point where I could tell I decided to become a doctor. But there were influences throughout my life. I had asthma as a child and told I could never play sports. Wow. Thank God my parents worked jobs and I was able to get home earlier than them some time. And my brother didn't care what the, the doctor said. He was gonna hoop if you was not right. <laughs> So they would come home and I'm out there playing. It's like well they said this kid can't play, but he's out here playing with his brothers and looks pretty good with it. Let's 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 get a second opinion. Uh, in my junior year, high, senior year high school, I was told I couldn't play in the game because of a bad ankle sprain, ankle injury. They said they thought it was broken. Nobody did x-rays on me. So 
I tore up the excuse that they gave me and, and, and forged one and gave it to my coach that I was clear to play and was able to play in the game. So, you know, doctors can can limit what you can do. They can put restrictions on you that could that could impact your life. So I said, man, I, I don't want to be that guy to take a, take a dream instead of a dream of somebody. I want to give dreams back to folks. So I try to do the best I can when I have a patient uh, to give them the best opportunities to return to play, return to work, whatever it is that they might be doing. So, And there are instances where I have to limit folks and tell them they can't do, but we try to do our best to give them the best prognosis, to get the best chances. Man, you, you're still in dreams, you know. Right. Uh, when you tell a kid he can't do a sport, and as much bad press as athletes get, especially black athletes, the majority of black athletes do very, very well in life. You know, they're, they're structured, they're balanced, got good folks around them. It's that one or two bad apples that, that, that they may put out there that did something crazy, did something wrong. And, and it, even in those cases, it's, you know, sometimes those things can be explained if you know the whole story. So right. I'm right. big on putting young young folks in sports. You know you know the, the typical cats around the city that's taking care of the youth and nobody gives credit for it. These guys been coaching football, basketball, whatever it is, for years in the city, and, and people don't recognize them for really protecting their children and taking care of their youth. So uh, I like to I like to to always get back and recognize those individuals when I get an opportunity to do so. Man, that's 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 what I'm talking about. And you know what? Um, it's it's interesting that you say that because a lot of those a lot of those guys they don't um really get highlighted and 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 they are um keeping our youth grounded by you know having these different type of programs coaching and mentoring and doing all that stuff so i really take my hats off to a lot of these guys that have been doing it for for years with peewee leagues and you know working with brick and doing all type of stuff those those things are um it, it really keeps the kids focused man that's an extension of us you know i'm yeah. a father of a, of a young a young boy now i have a seven-month-old son and so i can't watch him 24 7 so i have to have these extensions of me in the community that respect me that's why i treat every man that i can when i interact with him with respect you know i used to work at the parish prison and, and and so people ask me how i have relationships some of these cats in hip-hop that might have made some bad mistakes back in the day so i treat them boys with respect you know what i'm saying so when they see me like that's what that's doc that's what's up i mean you you i went to the boosted bands comedy show last night man you you You'd be like, who is this? Who is this cat? Who does he not know? You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm dabbing up everybody. You know, cause right. it's just love for the city, man, and for the young people. And I just feel like a lot of these cats just haven't been given a fair shake. Have some of these guys made some bad mistakes? Yeah, man. But 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 many of them cats, to the core, some good dudes. They just were misguided or didn't have some direction and structure like I was so very blessed to have. So it's my responsibility. I take it on me. It's like it's my responsibility to try to do something to give back. So. Yeah, you gotta share love with those young guys and, and those old cats, man. Like one of my favorite coaches in the city is Coach Coach Augustine over at Southern Lab. Yeah, and yeah, man, that cat will do anything he can for the for the for the, for the kids. I mean, he used to drive to school six hours away to get tapes to bring back for Coach, but he also used to put money in kids' pockets, help pay tuition sometimes, doing things that some people might even consider. Hey, man, that's not you know that's not something you need to do. But he he was trying to help where he could, and, and you gotta respect that. Right. Do you think that um, that's a lot of the problem that's going on with um, the issues within the city is not having those um, those elders and those OG figures to um, that would actually sit you know sit you down when you're doing something wrong and correct you at at the time of you know that's going on if they heard something or whatever. Do you think that the lack of that is is what's really hurting the youth?
gang wow. said, no, this guy, individual females beefing over cash and shooting each other over internet beef. So it's like, what is going on, man? So I think at the core, especially for me and my background and where I came up and how I was raised, man, it started at home with me, man. My yeah. mom and dad would tear you up. They right. would punch you in the chest. They light your ass up for doing anything right. out of line. So, you know, there was a there was a legitimate fear that if you messed up, something was going to happen. So you got folks that's working two jobs, uh, single-parent households, uh, economic uh, 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 dis- disparities, you know, people not making enough money. Man, it's, it's, it's a lot of factors that play into that. So, you know, when you had neighborhoods that you had to go live in because, you know, segregation and things back in the 60s were all black neighborhoods and you couldn't go other places. The community protected you because you knew, man, you can't go here certain places after after 5 o'clock. I mean, we were told, man, you can't go to Dillon uh, Springs after 5, man. Right. People mess over you. I remember <laughs> that. Careful. Yeah. You know, so yeah. those things are still ingrained in my brain, you know, from, from childhood. And so I think now that we've kind of lost our way with some of that stuff, uh, you don't have the influence of the community on these young people. You don't have. You still have those elders in the community, but they don't have reach to these kids because now kids are going to different schools. You know, we used to have to be forced to go to certain McKinley, Capital. You know, uh, uh, those are schools that you, can, uh, you had to go to yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And so now you can you got black kids from different communities going all across the city, and you don't have those same role models and influences that can kind of kind of watch over them, and uh, things go awry. So it's, a, it's multiple factors, brother. Yeah, I, I you know, it, it's it's. I always, uh, whenever I'm talking to my brother, man, we always, um, we always reminisce on, you know, the way that we were brought up and, and the times, and it definitely was, um, a different time and era. And I think it was, um, it was more, more love, you know, we, we had, we had our, you know, our grandparents and, and, you know, the neighbors and different things. It's, it's just, it just was a different, a different era man like and um i i just i thank god that i came up in that era where you know like you said you know i i, I remember being able to you know when the paddle slips would be able to come home and and you know you can get the, the principal can paddle you at school exactly you know what i mean like i i come from that era right there and um a lot of people don't like that that era but it was what it was man yeah it really was you know um what what inspired you to want to um to come up with a comic book series, The Legion of Health? Uh, I, I thought that that was uh that was genius. That was that was a good move right there. Look, the same thing that made me want to be the hip hop doc, the same thing that has me considering a campaign run for for coroner in East Baton Rouge Paris. I'm trying to find a way all my life, and I can imagine. So I started googling myself recently, and I'm gonna get to that answer. But I gotta tell you, just to see what's out there on doc. I'm, I'm about 30 pages in, man. Oh, yeah. Heart disease, stroke, prostate cancer. But what, what what shocked me the most was I found an article on me when I was in college, before I went to med school, before I was an MD, where I was going. And I, and I didn't forget about it, but some things are just so far removed, and I'm not trying to be braggadocious, bro, but I've done a lot. I've, I've just always wanted to help and be a part of something. Right. Well, I would go to Progress Elementary School. It was a program that we created at Southern called Project Scientific Discovery. I was a president of a, of a medical uh, society. And we would leave campus and go on, to on progress campus and try to stimulate the interest in math and science in young black males. So, you know, man, just wanting to make a difference, wanting to see us do better. Uh, I do a black history post every morning. Um, I call it just the, the page called The Day After 2016 on Instagram, and those posts go to my social media page. Just trying to see some of the things that I wasn't taught in school about, about being black, about being excellent, but also about some of the tragedies and atrocities that occurred uh, to African Americans or black people in this country, because many people don't think you know history just is forgotten. And I wanted to understand why certain things were the, were the way they were. So right. 
so many so many different uh, venues, outlets, avenues that I've tried to take to try to change and make a difference. I just want to see us living better, living longer with a better quality of life. And so the comic book man just evolved out of how can I reach young people? You know, my whole thing is I can't be corny. You know, I gotta find an artist that can draw. You know, like I like I think the kids will receive it. The same thing I do with my music. Um, I just recently, recently did a song with Spit of Bad News called My City, and we just repping and talking about the city. You know what I'm saying? So just just different things that make a kid. I just I, I left Tara with the Tara last week to talk to young black men uh, that are that that have had some challenges. And, uh, you know, you have to have ways to connect with those cats. They ain't gonna, they're not going to respect you or respond to you if they think you're fake. Right. And by the end of that talk, it was one of my toughest talks. By the end of that talk, I'm dapping up cats and, and people smiling and shaking hands. And so the key to that is got to get back over. They can't just do it one time. You've got to be consistent in your approach. So right. being creative, stepping outside the box, going to meet people where they live, you know, you can't, everything's not going to come in my office. I've got to go to people in order for me to, to, to make a difference. So from the comic book to music, the CDs, the hip-hop doc, uh, and just being available to people, you know, going to churches. I mean, one of my songs, I say I go to schools, churches, hospitals, prisons. There's not a place in the world that I won't go. So if you call me, man, I'm coming, just like I'm on, on, on the air with you today. I'm hoping that one person will hear the messages that you try to bring out there and, uh, and, and it'll change, at least have them listening and considering, hey, look, well, man, what's up with this cat doc, man? Is he really legit? Is he the real deal? Right. You know what, Um, and I really want to... Um I really want to thank you too, man, for um, for giving me this opportunity because it's really a blessing and you're really um, a real impact to this city. And um, I just, uh, I, it's just really, really a blessing, man. And I, and I want to thank you. I, I didn't tell you that at the beginning of the show, but I really, really appreciate it. Oh no, you you're a blessing, man. This is this is this is. You know what though, bro? I'll be honest. I'm a little bit selfish because I like doing this stuff. So people are like, man, you. You're always this busy, and I don't really, I don't really reveal that to most people. But man, it's, it's a, I have fun speaking to kids and going to places, and so it's, it's I guess I, I don't need to tell too many people that they're gonna say, oh, he, he not working hard. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's, to be on the air with you is, is fun, man, and I and I find a way to, to mix that in between family time. And my wife understands what I'm doing, so there's never been any pushback from her because she sees the impact and the changes that it can and can make. And when, you, when you make a young person smile or consider changing life, man, that's huge. It's nothing and I, like and I that. Can tell you that I've done it, and not again being braggadocious to you, but just saying I've had young people come up to me at the at the Boosie Bash concert last night. Young man said, "Man, when I was in Paris prison, you did something for me, man." And I, I, I want to tell you, I'm gonna tell you every time I see, you, I really appreciate it because this cat has got his life together, and I'm not taking credit for all of that, but he's giving me credit for some part of that, and that's a huge accomplishment for me because everybody says if you could just reach just one, well, I've had that happen to me more than one time, man. and so. God has blessed me with those abilities to at least attempt to do these things, and I'm gonna keep doing it till He tells me I gotta do something else. Absolutely, and um, you know, to put that out there, because my my thing now that I'm I'm finding um, is worth more than money is you know these relationships that I'm that I'm building within this platform that I created. Um, I, I value that more than anything. Being able to connect with with people like you. And I always offer my services, you know, any any way that I can help through promotion or whatever that I could do. Because I, I've, I've always wanted to, to have the opportunity to be able to speak to the youth as well. And um, I would I would like to, to get with you off air and, and see if it's any kind of way that I can assist in any type of way with, with any of those programs that you may have going on. I mean, I, I would really love to. Because I will need your help coming soon. So we will we'll have that conversation for sure. Because I looked at the line of the folks that you've been interviewing. I said, MG and 8 man, this cat interviewing everybody, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was up. 
So yeah, and, and I'm you know uh, it's it's a blessing, man, and I'm building great relationships. That's that's my whole thing about doing this. You know, I I want to build those relationships um, with with each with every guest that I bring on here. I I've built a relationship with them to where you know resources are are, are becoming available with right. things that I want to do um, in the future as far as having programs and different um, events and stuff like that to involve the children and, and just provide, um, just, just to bring some peace to this city, man. But I think you are, I think you're going to it because what I saw uh, on the lineups that you've had, the interviews you've done in the past have been great, man. I really appreciate that. Let, let's talk about... Um, I don't want to say it wrong. What's the actual name of the band? It's Euphoria. Euphoria, like Euphoria. Euphoria. Okay, Euphoria. got you. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Have music always been um, heavy in your life? Oh man, you know how it was. You get up in the morning, you're not touching no television set. You had to get up, get cleaned up, and do your chores. And mama would have on from Mama's Lately to to uh, to uh, to Chick Corea. I mean, right. so we grew up with, with, with vinyl, you know, growing around vinyl. I'm, I'm yeah. 50 years old. I'm the baby, and I have a 60-year-old brother, a 59-year-old brother, and a 50, 58-7-year-old sister. So uh, I'm the youngest of four, and we grew up around music. My brother played sax. He was in music all his life. My my, my father, Dr. George Whitfield, was over fine arts and drama at Southern University. So my first play, I must have been like four years old, you know, in plays, and there was music involved in the play. So I've been around music and, and theatrical uh, productions since, I was, uh, since my inception on this earth since I've been here. Right. So, uh, and in school I actually played, uh, I played the trumpet with first chair. Had a real interesting situation where a white instructor told me my lips were too big to play the trumpet and switched me to tuba. Really? My dad came up there about, about to shut the school down and, and I went from from that to vocal music. But I didn't start actually playing a, a musical instrument uh, until I got into uh, medical school and I picked up a bass. Bought a bought a CD and a well a DVD. Excuse me, you know, you probably know that VHS tape. My bad. I don't know how old y'all came up with that. Forty four. I'm forty four. I'm I'm with you. Trust me. Oh, well, you know you with me? There. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with so, you. Uh, I bought a VHS tape, a bass rig. It came with like a little amp of guitar and a little music book, and then I started teaching myself, man. But I've been blessed to know cats around town like uh, Roland Giran, who's a, a tremendous jazz bassist in uh, New Orleans. He's from Baton Rouge, though. Mark Piro. Um, who was in here? He was in a, he was in actually a rock band, but this was the coldest bass. We went to high school together. Another guy that you might know, we call him Joe Mo Jenkins. He doesn't like to say his real name. Yeah, yeah, oh Joe Mo. These are my influences of the brothers that taught me how to play the bass. Wow. And so yeah, I self, I'm self-taught, uh, but the band man has evolved, and you know it's hard to keep anything together for ten years. So oh yeah. Done well. Wow. <laughs> Before yeah. Before you wrote it, man, we had a nice celebration the other day. City shut the city down for a night last Friday evening. Man, about 600 people came out. No foolishness, very mature crowd of different eclectic ages and looks. You know, young, poor, black, a few white folks in the building. It's a nice look for the city, man. And, and uh, we celebrated my birthday, our 10 years as a band. And I miss that, man. I'm, I'm connected Great now, man. man. I won't miss the next one, man. Please don't, man. Nah. I, you know, they wanted to do something again. Sometimes you just hit that perfect, the weather, what they were raining and cold. You know, oh, back folks in the weather. man. So, uh, Wow, man, that that's that that's that's just amazing, man. You know, and and um, I, I was um, I was talking to uh, to James, man, and I was just so impressed with everything because you know I've I've been out in Dallas for a while, lived out there for a while, and um, came back 
and um you know been here ever since man and you know you you've done um you've appeared on BTCNN uh MSNBC but what really got me was man the invitation that you got from uh Cicely man I I, I can we talk about that for a minute Cicely Tyson the the invite that you got uh for from Cicely Tyson to uh oh, to deliver man, that you speech. Have no idea. So I do I was the spokesperson for the American Heart Associations. Uh they had several initiatives that dealt that dealt around stroke and stroke awareness. Right. And so I had to do a media tour with Cicely Tyson. So that's where you sit in a room with a celebrity. I've done that with, with uh Chrisette Michelle, Cicely Tyson, Kenny Smith, the NBA analyst. Wow. Uh, BB Winers was the very first one I did. That was a character. We had a great time. But I get to sit in the room with Miss Cicely Tyson. And let me tell you something about Cicely. Man, she, tell me. She ain't the friendliest in the world. Really? <laughs> so I'm nervous as heck. By the time that interview came on, I'm one of, I'm one of them brothers, man. I'm going to win you over. By right. the time that interview was over, she was calling me. This is like my grandson. Are you so serious? I absolutely fell in love with Cicely Tyson. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the stuff. So about three months later, I get a phone call. She says, uh, I want you to come to speak to my students at her. She has a school in New Jersey, man. And I went to that school, man, and I spent another entire day with Sister Tyson. She took me to see one of her friends who had been sick. Uh, you're talking about, bro, I'm, I, I get, I'm getting excited to tell you about that. Man, you're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> bro, so I've, I've spent 48 hours with, with, with the queen on two you know two separate occasions. I've been in the presidency lately, actually three, really, because I did the media tour. Uh, and then we spent a, we spent the day together after that, about half a day together after that. And then, the, then that, that that school tour, man. When I went up to the school and she took me around the city with her personal drivers, just me, Sister Tyson, took me to a, a health food store. That was the first time I tried wheatgrass. I was like, man, I was. She bought me a book. Like you, you, what? Have, you have no idea, bro. Like we could just have a talk on that all day. <laughs> but it wow. was amazing, bro. It was amazing. Like what? What was like? What's like her whole? Like her whole aura, man. Like, is it because I know she's real I was, rooted? Uh, 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 just royalty. Like you want to, you feel like you want to get down on your knees and just, just pay homage to her. Bro. Yeah. I mean, like that. That's, she, she is a queen, but she is, she is that the true definition of queen. Respect her mannerisms, the way she speaks, the the, the respect that everybody gives her, her knowledge base. You know, because this this is not just a woman that acted. I mean, I don't know if you know Cicely's history about the hair. When she goes to, uh, she was trying out for something, and she decides to go to a, a man's barbershop and cut her hair off. And she basically brought the natural hairstyle into play back in the '60s. And wow. so a lot of people don't know this story about Cicely. I, I didn't know that. You and just, I just learned else, something. Man. So when you know this stuff about somebody, and you actually meet them, man. It's like. I mean, that's a living legend. It's just, she don't tell you age. She got to be in her nineties now. You know what I'm saying? And she still and still acting. looks amazing. Yeah, man. So she, it was. I, I can't. I can't explain, explain it to you. It was just amazing, bro. It was truly, truly amazing. I'm still on the high about that 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 uh, interaction relationship, and uh, I still reach out to her, man. You know, I still reach out. We we connect on email, and uh, she has a personal assistant that keeps in touch with me and follows my my journey. So it's been a blessing. Wow, man. So like. When you um, what made you you have 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 you always wanted to have your own um your own private practice to to was that to to have more influence and more um control um on on your vision and what you wanted to do as opposed um to working at a hospital or something like that. Well, it's interesting that you say that because uh, as of. April 15th, and I'm actually a full-time, well, not a full-time, I'm a part-time employee of a hospital as of March 1st. 
but I have ju- just joined Our Lady of the Lake Hospital, um, which is the, Our Lady Lake is one of the large, if not the largest, non for profit in the in the in the state. And um, man, I tell you, medicine has changed so very much. When I, I had this very false idea about medicine and how I thought you came in, came you my patient, you walk in, pay me some money, I see you take your problem, you leave. Right. When you do with insurance companies that can that can manipulate the payments and how they pay you and they change the way it's it's, it's too much to even to even approach. But at one point, yeah, but you can still have your identity and be who you are within a system and that's what I that's what I'm gonna do now. By me becoming I'm I'm a I'm not just a boss of my office as the doctor, but I'm 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 running the office, I'm paying the bills you know, I'm hiring, firing. Now, as an employee of the lake, I maintain my identity. I'm still going to be in a, a separate building. I'm not going to be attached to the hospital and be where I want to be. Patients come to me. There are some other controls and factors, but I will be joining Our Lady of the Lake officially on April 15th. But but I will still be able to be the hip-hop doc because that was part of my conversation with them. Like, hey, guys, y'all know what I do in this community. Like, Dr. Whitford, that's what we're coming after. We don't want we don't want you to lose that. Right. So you can continue to do what you do. What you do. We're just going to help you be better at it. You know, a hospital has much more bargaining power. They can go to, to an insurance company and say, hey, you're paying us $100 for these visits. We want $125. Uh, and they can't really budget that. You know, and they come to them with numbers and statistics. It's not just something that they create out of the air. But when, you, when you're when you in my position as a, a private practice solo doctor out there by himself, they come and say, man, we won't pay you $10 for that visit. And if you say no, so how about we just take all 500 of our patients from you, and then you're going to get $0. So wow. you see what I'm saying? So you don't have that bargaining power to deal with insurance companies. Um, especially when you have doctors that are doing quality services to their patients, meeting what they call measures that your blood pressure is being checked, your weight is being addressed, your your, your, your blood sugar is being controlled, you're taking your medicines as prescribed, and they provide you the resources to help manage the patient. So now, can I go to work and just go see the patient? I ain't got to worry about, did I pay the bills this morning? What's the, I got to meet payroll. Are we right. seeing enough patients? Right. It's all taken care of. And then they give you, I'm a, I'm a data-driven brother, so they give you numbers on the doctor with it. This is how you're performing. You know, this week, this month, this day, however you wanted to come. You know, so now I'm in control over, and I can't see this in a private practice. I'm trying to see my kids when I get home, and mm-hmm. I'm tired by the time I think, well, I'm going to do that tomorrow, and tomorrow turns into the next day, and the next day turns into a week. Pretty soon you're not doing what you're planning to do. So now they put those things in front of you at your demand, and you're not dealing with other issues as well. You don't have to worry about hiring and firing. You still got to manage your office because my staff won't change. But, man, it's, right. it's, a, it's a whole different animal, uh, and it's going to be a blessing to, to be a part of something like that and, and give me an opportunity to really hone my – because I'm still studying, man. I don't st- you, you don't stop studying in medicine. I'm still studying. Right. So now I can focus in on some things and, and really tighten my craft up. You know, uh, man, I want to ask you this, um, and this is just my um, – this is just my my experience and from things that you know because my mom has asthma uh really bad and just from different experiences that she's experienced from um dealing with with it with her from um you know as a young man up until now i've seen um a shift in the way that um the whole I want to say individuals as far as um, in the medical field, like the nurses and I, I, I don't, I don't feel the same. I don't, I don't feel the same. And I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this. I don't feel the same dedication to um, and passion for, for, for the patients like anymore. You know, I've been to, you know, several different uh, hospitals and stuff like that, you know, with my mom. And, 
I've I've seen the shift in it. Have you seen the shift in like the passion and and love for it? Because you know some people go into careers and stuff like that. Not saying that the medical field is easy to go into, but and and, and I've seen it also like in the teaching field as well. Like I've seen the teachers change from the era that when we went to school where teachers pull up to your crib when you out of line, you know, they're not going to let you fall behind or, you know, we're going to work, do what we got to do to move this student and, you know, get them, separate them students or whatever, because it's interfering with their academics or what I, I just, I'm not really seeing that as much as I was seeing back in the days. You know, Ken, I guess it's kind of hard because I know so many doctors that, that care and, you know, but they're being, Either things are being dictated to them, or they're, they're being controlled by the by the by the hustle and bustle, and they just can't be there themselves. I went to Meharry Medical College. There's four black medical schools in this country. There's Meharry, Morehouse, Drew, and Howard. One of the things that I know for sure that my medical school put emphasis on was bedside manner and how you treated the patient. And so I was told by a, 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 a African American preceptor of mine, the patient should always walk out of the door feeling better than when they came in. I said, well, you can't fix everything. Dr. might have cancer. He said, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, if you can make them smile, make them laugh, give them a hug, embrace them, have that conversation with them, and they feel better. They, I don't care if the headache is still there or the chest pain is still there. You send them to the emergency room, they should feel better about that visit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's my goal every time. Because there are days when I come in there, man, I'm having a bad day. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, but I just want to make sure that the patient always feels better. So... I think with the hustle and bustle of how we're paid and how we're reimbursed and, you know, the visits are 15 minutes and da-da-da-da, yeah, you, you're going to lose some of that trying to focus on, um, on on not so much quality of care but just managing the patient. Right. Um, and, it, and you lose, you do lose that bedside, you do lose that, that um, comfort uh, and that approach that, that I think is, is needed. You know, you've got to touch a patient. I mean, I have patients that come to me, for knee injuries. I'm the primary care doctor. I don't do surgery. Right. But I'm examining the knee and they're like, man, the orthopedic doctor didn't even check on my knee. He just ordered the MRI. I was like, well, I was taught that 80% of the diagnosis is made by connecting, talking to the patient. The physical exam is the rest, but that means that, Kano, you come in with a symptom. I'm going to talk to you for about 10 minutes yeah. about that. Yeah. Now, if you come in for some blood pressure medication refill, we gonna sit, we might climb, talk about the show, talk about what's going on in the city. Doc, how you, you know, you've asked me questions sometimes, because, mm-hmm. man, I got to go, I'm just going to get my refills. But that's after I've established a relationship with you and you feel comfortable. So I can look at the schedule. My, my administrators are looking at the schedule and say, oh, this is going to take you 20 minutes. I know it's only going to take me five minutes, because I already know what's going on with you unless you surprise them with something new. If you come for refills, and I know you not usually chop it up. But, again, that's about knowing your practice, knowing your patients, spending time. And uh, that's why I like to do physicals for kids. If I'm taking care of a f- football team, I used to be the team doctor for Southern Lab. When I would take do the physicals for the football team, I did. I wanted to touch every kid. I didn't want nobody else doing the physicals but me. Right. So it'd be me and my nurse. That way, I would know those kids, know their personalities, learn them over the course of the season. So after I've had them for several years, man, look, I, man, ain't nothing on that boy. He, he always right. he, he like to whine. He, he right. You know, and you know that about a kid. You yeah. start to learn their yeah. behaviors, their patterns, and uh, but you know that kid that goes down that never gets hurt, like a, like a Marcus Spears. I mean, Marcus was just. Yeah, Frank man, Alexander, them yeah. cats, bro, they ain't never get hurt. And if they were hurt, you better get out there and check on them quick. They, if they, they didn't play with a broken neck. So, right. you know, you get to know the personalities of the athletes, and that, that was the blessing about being able to, to connect. So, again, going back to the office setting, spending time with those guys, knowing who they are, knowing your patients, and treating them with love, care, and respect, man, it takes you a very, very long way. And I think because we're rushed to see stuff uh, and get done and see this number to make this amount of money, 
it's not that the doctors don't care anymore, that they that they losing the time to care, and that's not cool. So that's one of the reasons why I made the change as well, because I was being driven away from uh, being a, a, a caring doctor to a doctor who's generating income, and that's not what I want to do. Right. Let me ask you this. Um, with with um, hospitals being shut down in primarily um, urban communities, and I understand uh, opening up, you know, a bigger, better facility or whatever. Do you think that that was purposely done or, it, it, you know, it, it was um, a financial issue as far as the cadence to that that particular community or side of town or whatever? Like, I just I just didn't really understand why. um two hospitals were, were shut down. And I mean, I can understand, uh, I guess in a way, Earl K being torn down. Um, but the other two, you know, even though it's, it's been moved, it seems like everything's being moved farther out and away from these communities. Well, you know, Earl K long, <laughs> but I was, not only did they shut it down, they tore it down. Yeah. So I think, you know, Governor Bobby Jenner wanted to make a sentiment message that I'm, this is not coming back. And you're talking about what what you're seeing is that hospitals and clinics in rural America are closing down. I mean, a lot of different reasons, but they're closing down in places where they're needed the most. And so, just right. as I said, if you don't have access to these places, uh, a good friend of mine, Gary Chambers at the Rouge Collection, wrote an article about the time that it takes to get from point A to point B, and you know, just from the phone call. So you got to access EMS. Say so you're having a heart attack. And, and I'm teaching people about fast, you know, reacting to these things, like the warning signs of a stroke. We, I, did a, I did a song with D1 uh, for the American Heart Association. They actually allowed us to shoot a video. We talked about the warning signs of, of, of a stroke. Face, arm, speech, time, fast. So you have changes in your face. People have droopy face, arm numbness, weakness, or tingling. Um, uh, speech can be slurred. If those things happen within a certain period of time, if you call 911 and get the person to the hospital within a three-hour window, then they can save their life or reverse the devastating effects of that stroke. Well, if you got a hospital that's 15 minutes from your place, some people don't recognize the signs right away. By the time they make the phone call, EMS gets to them, and they got to drive them 15, 20 minutes from where they were, but it takes you an hour to get the phone call, and all kinds of you've lost valuable time. Right. So, I mean, they're closing for multiple reasons. There, There's probably a lot of politics in play with, the, with Earl K. Long. I know with the general, they were losing a significant amount of money per month because many people aren't educated on how to go to the hospital, how to go to the doctors. We didn't have Medicaid expansion at the time, and so it was we were unable to afford to keep the, the facility open. And you talk about that's in mid city, yes, you know, right close to to a healthcare center I used to run called called Care South. Uh, there's several doctors' offices in the area. My my doctor's office is maybe two and a half, three minutes from 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 Baton Rouge General Mid City. And that was a much-needed resource in the middle of the city that is no longer there. So now people have to drive to to you know the southern part of Baton Rouge to get to get health care, either Our Lady Lake or to Baton Rouge, uh, you know, um, you know, on, the, on Blue Bonnet. And that's not that's not fair, not accessible, not convenient for many patients that don't have access. Then you got to think about just appointments because a lot of the healthcare hubs in the area. So how do they get to those places? Are the right. bus lines running out there? So man, it it, it, it hurts the city not to have healthcare services in North Baton Rouge. Um, we need a hospital in North Baton Rouge. We need an ER in North Baton Rouge. Yeah, a lot of stuff. That's, absolutely. North Baton Rouge needs a lot of stuff. Um, but, you know, it's not growing like the southern part of the, the city is, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, it um, it really, really is, man. Um, 
how do you feel do do you feel like um do you feel like black people um let's just say um uh, let's just say southern alumni um the difference between cuz i'm 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 seeing the infrastructure of certain parts of the city going down and not growing do you think that that's because um us as as black folks are not investing back into the community um as much as we need to or wh- why do you think that that's so because a lot of uh business or uh, businesses are going out of business um that the city just certain parts of the city um just looks run down yeah you know we talk about the blighted communities in north baton rouge and you got to think when i was when i was in high school man southern university was anywhere between Ten and 12,000 students strong. Even when I was on campus, I'm a graduate of Southern University. I went away for a year to play junior college ball, but I came back. So from 88 to um, 1988 to, to 1992, I was on Southern's campus. And you're talking about, so you got a, a campus full of students. Mm-hmm. So what happens then? you got to have resources for those students around campus. you got your restaurants. you got your you got your bookstores. you got, you know, whatever those those kids need, so it's like a college town. You got right, to LSU. Right. So you go on LSU's campus, apartments oh popping up, you see restaurants popping up, Man, different kinds of stores and services on, that the students might need, and those become extensions of the people because some of those people end up staying there for a little while. Right. So that Southern's Southern Roman is less than 6,000 now, you know, 6,500. So you got a, a, a reduction in, in force by, by half, so that truly impacts what's going on in, North, in the North Baton Rouge community. And there's just been no targeted investments in trying to develop that area. And so you got brothers like Cleve Dunn and Gary Chambers and Shauna Banks, who's their councilwoman out in that area, that, that try to bring attention to the issues and things in North Baton Rouge. The Blue River Commission is trying to do some stuff. But it's a fight, man. There's no, there's no uh, I remember Magic Johnson was trying to bring a complex out there where he's going to have a movie theater and some other things. Right. And he, wanted to, he wanted some investor. He was going to put up, I think, $10 million, and he needed $10 million from It could have been me, you, and, and 10 other guys. We all had a million dollars. Right. He was going to put up half, and the other people had to put up half, and nobody could match that offer. So there's been some wow. folks that have attempted to bring, uh, revitalize the North Baton Rouge community, and it's slowly coming back. I think we have one grocery store out there. But, you know, if you drive to that community, man, it's, 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 especially if you're from here, it's not what it used to be. I mean, no. that was a thriving community. We need a mall out there. Yeah. Because uh, you got people coming in from Zachary and Baker, they got to drive all the way to the Mall of Baton Rouge, uh, Mall of Louisiana, to get to, to, to get access to a mall. Exactly. So I mean, there's some so much potential, but you have to to target and, and, and invest those dollars to get things going out there. And I just think we've been slow in our response to do that. Right, right. I um I definitely agree with you on that. Um, with with dealing with people. Um. What has been your 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 the greatest letdown for you? Um, that something that that has been a, a disappointment, and um, what has been the highest point in your life thus far? Man, I, you know, I think before I even answer that question, I think what's happened in my infinite wisdom in this fifty years I've been on this planet is that learning that people are just inconsistent, um, and people have other things going on, so. I guess my biggest letdown has been some loyalties that, you know, you think that people, I'm a loyal, loyal person, man, but look, we, we, we connected at the hip now, so I'm not expecting a whole lot from you, but if you say, Doc, I'm going to do something, then I'm going to hold you to that. Absolutely. So I've been let down a lot by folks who I thought had my back and would support me in different different endeavors. 
Uh, but on the flip side of that, man, I've just seen so many good people, especially in the community of Baton Rouge, have reached out and try to help others. And I would, I would say particularly around uh, the flood, um, you know, his post out to Sterling, um, a lot of tension in the community, you know, a lot of division, unfortunately, you know, race, white, black, you know, rich, poor, whatever you want to call it, but there's a lot of tension, a lot of division, and just a lot of mis- misunderstandings between folks that just could, be, could have been resolved with some conversations. Um, but to see the outpouring of support for individuals when folks are suffering from that flood, uh, and and after after uh, uh, Hurricane Katrina and Rita uh, in Baton Rouge, the potential for us to love and give back and help one another is there, man. It's just it seems like it goes away and we kind of pull back into our shells once things get a little bit better. Um, so I would say that my greatest, I guess, the, the experience has been just the potential for this city to be better than a lot. Uh, but also that same thing on the flip side that there's there's just been so much negativity in the community, man. That it's like, what is going on, man? Like, why why, why can't we yeah. just come together? Kind of like, why we just can't get along? So, I mean, one any particular instance is not. It's been it's been a lot, man, on both sides. Um, yeah. But but uh, I just think the potential for us to be great is there. It's just us recognizing, it. and there's so much division, um, and a lot of it's based around money. Yeah. There are so many economic disparities in this community. People aren't getting getting the money that they could get from the, from the city the city government to do projects and those things around here. And there's disparities on who gets those monies. So we have to figure out a way to make a difference. And that's why, you know, they got people running for political offices trying to make a difference and trying to change that. Right. Um, let's 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 take a little second to um, you can give a shout out to anybody that that you would like to give a shout out to. Oh, man, you know, I got to do it. I got to shout out the family, man, my, my beautiful wife, Carol, my my, my daughter, my favorite daughter, and only daughter, Raina, to the Buddha, <laughs> aka to the Buddha, and my son RJ. Man, I got to ship the family out. There's, there's no me without them, and um, I'm just blessed, man. I'm very blessed. You know, 50 years old, uh, beautiful wife that goes to work. Right, <laughs> uh, my brother out with the bills. I know, right? And uh, some wonderful kids, man. And just watching my son grow. I mean, it's it's one thing to have a daughter, and of course, I'm her protector, and ain't nobody coming at her the wrong way. But to have another me, and he's a junior. You know, Ronnie Whitfield Jr., like, wow, I actually got a, a son, man. That's this, this, And I didn't want to have a junior. I wanted him to have his own identity. Right. And uh, a lot of people call me, you know, they don't pronounce my first name right. And so one of my, my goals is to make sure that they will know his name. And so I'm actually working on the music project now called Redefining Ronnie, Ronnie Redefined. And, and that's part of the, the title song. It's called Ronnie Redefined. But I actually have a song dedicated to him. Wow. I did one dedicated to my, to my wife, uh, that I actually lost on Valentine's Day, bro. I got a lot of brothers in trouble on Valentine's Day. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, brother, like, man, I'm supposed to follow that because I did a music video with with, uh, with Straight Eight Entertainment, and it was, you know, me with the wife and the balloons and candy, you know, and many brothers like, oh, bro, you made, it, you made it hard on them, huh? <laughs> Doc, you're messing the game a big time. Uh, but, uh, bro, I ain't in your house having your business. That ain't on me. Right, it's time it. to step it up. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. But, yeah, man, so I'm excited about this little project, man. I know you ain't called for that, but I had to share that with you because I'm just, you know, this is like my last, I won't say it's my last project, but it's my last time trying to, I wanted to really define myself in hip-hop. So uh, is I, it have, complete? I have a Baton Rouge song in there called Watch What I Do. It's just straight up kind of Baton Rouge. Yeah, yeah, you know, just, ah, just going right. in on that. But then I got songs that have substance. I got a song about the Black Panthers and I had Uncles and the Panthers, so I talked about the Panthers. And uh, I got a song that said about my, about, my, about my kids and about my wife. Um, and then I got one that's, that's done, one of the most sampled songs in the history of hip-hop is Apache. So I got a guy I work with named uh, Sean Andrew with Zone Entertainment, and he made this nice little 
Right. I'm just repping about. I'm just repping about my 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 love for hip hop. Eight one one nineteen seventy three. It ain't started with me, but with the break of the beat. So I'm just talking about you know the people in the, the hip hop industry that I was connected to. What influenced me when I was young. You know, one of my favorite MCs coming up was was Eric B and Rakim. Oh, Rakim was favorite MC, but that that their first project. And that's that was my real fell in love with the hip hop moment. Was this Eric B Rakim's paid in full. And that's kind of when I fell into fell into the hip hop game. I had been listening to stuff when Sugar Hill Gang was out, but that 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 paid in full. Some cat brought it from New York, and we was playing ball at Wildwood. I'm like man, what is this man? Like you, you could you, the whole CD, or excuse me, the whole the whole cassette tape was nice. Right, absolutely. So, so uh, yeah, so that was it, man. So uh, man, we got a uh, we 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 got a lot of stuff to talk about, man. You know, I'm a producer <laughs> as well. Right. And um, we yeah we 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 got some stuff to talk about, me and you, man. I'm serious. I I I really see some magic, some magic taking place here, man. I really I'm do. Always available. Just let me know. Like what could um what could we expect um in the future? Like what what any any visions that um and I know we can't predict the future, but I know we have ideas and visions. Uh, could you share some of some of that with us? I mean, you know, personally, like I told you, there's 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 some serious talks and potential plans for me, um, and really um, running for corner of these veterans' pairs. And so, in my in my infinite wisdom, and I, I feel like the corner should represent um, the health of our community. You know, right. what, I'm what the corners do. If everybody talks, all y'all do is pick up dead bodies and put people in mental institutions. That's a part of the job, but. But ever since I've been back, and I told you this earlier in our conversation in the, in the city of Baton Rouge before I left, and now that I've been back as a physician, all I've ever wanted to do was see people live longer, healthier lives with a good quality of life. Not just you can live to be 100 and be in a wheelchair or be blind or be deaf or what have you. I want people to live long, uh, happy, quality lives. And so the corner should be, in my opinion, the representation of that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know, we shouldn't just be talking about dead bodies and, and mental health. Those are very important issues that we have to address, and they happen every day. People have issues, but I think I would be like the CMO of these veterans' pairs, you know, the chief medical officer. Not just doing that, but I'm not doing that all day long, so instead of that, I'm going to do what I've been doing since I've been back. I leave my office bro, at least two, three times a month to go speak on health issues to different groups, whether it be a, a group of elderly women, whether it be a, a, a civic group, whether it be kids at a high school. I'm leaving my office probably inconveniencing my own patients to go speak on health issues. And so why not do it and add another layer of credibility to the hip-hop doc? You're Dr. Ronnie Whitfield, you're the hip-hop doc, and now you're the corner of these veterans' pairs. Wow. I'm going to speak to those young individuals. It gives them some some idea of what they can achieve and what they can strive to achieve as well. So what I see for the future, I see um, the first African-American corner in the history of these veterans' pairs taking control and doing something different than what's been done in the past and, and truly Amen. making a difference because I truly care about my community and I want to see us be better. I claim that. I claim that, Amen. That 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 is definitely going to happen. Um, I always ask my guests. Um, we're getting close to the end, man. I, I could talk to you forever, oh, and um, you definitely got to come back on this show anytime, uh, but sooner than later. And um, I always I always ask my guests if if you could drop some jewels on um the listening ears that's listening right now some words of encouragement or or any 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 wisdom that you would like to drop um could you drop it on them yeah i would just say this and i i usually say this in my talks man the most important possession that we have is our health and wellness you know we talk about health 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 just means the absence of disease 
you know, so that means you're starting at zero if you're healthy. But I want us to be, I want us to be uh, well, you know. And, and when I say that, what what is wellness? Um, wellness is your spiritual health. You know, you got to be spiritually grounded, in my opinion. Um, you need to be economically wealthy. You know, what I'm saying you need to make sure that your finances are in order. Uh, I want people to be, uh, you know, and mental health. Your mental health should be be straight. Uh, your emotional wellness, uh, environmental wellness, where you live. So there's so many components. So you should be striving daily, daily, in my opinion, to be well, not just healthy. Health is health is means you have no disease, means you don't have no blood pressure, no diabetes. Wellness means your envi- environment, your emotional, your financial, occupational, your physical, mental, spiritual, social wellness. All those things are intact. And if you're not all the way intact, you should be striving to be intact in all those categories. So you can you can be the totality of one, your whole self. You know, so you can be helpful to others. So if you have wellness, then you can be you can you can help others become well. And if, if I had to leave you with a message, that would that would be it. Wow, Doc, man, again. It was a pleasure and a blessing. Thank you so much for blessing my show for me and the Vibe team, man. And um, you're definitely going to have to come back on, on the show again, please. I, I would definitely love to do so, man. I appreciate the platform and look forward to, to meeting with your cats off the, off the radio, off the air. Well, let me see, look at me, off the radio, off the podcast. <laughs> so we can really chop it up, man. Definitely, definitely. It's the Vibe Show Podcast with your boy Kano, the Don, the Vibe King, and my special guest, the King Hip Hop Doc. We out.